You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Bruins defeated the Tampa Bay Lightning 7-3 at the TD Garden on uh, Saturday. And Bridget and Scott, let's jump into the opening shifts. Well, guys, we have to answer the question everyone's asking. Is this the end for Bruins fan banner captain Bill Belichick? No. that, that is Really? Not- that's how you're going to start this, Scott? <laughs> that's what everyone's talking about. We gotta, that we gotta was jump the off-air the- conversation, not we, the podcast. Five- no, we, we got to jump in on the hot topic of the day. <sighs> I mean, I like this. It's been getting clicks and views for the last 20-plus years in New England, so the skate pod's no different. Right. Yeah. <laughs> People people aren't going to be able to get enough of it. It's not like uh, every sports show in town is going to be talking about this twenty four seven. So yeah, um, wow. no. So well, my actual my actual opening shift is about Trent Frederick. But I'm kicking you off the podcast real quick. <laughs> Let me just hit X on your screen. Oh no! Am I getting fired before Belichick? Yeah, yeah. No, you're getting fired first. Oh boy. All right. So my actual opening shift is about Trent Frederick, who continues to play really well. Scored two more goals on Saturday. Uh, he now has five goals in his last four games. Um, he's up to 12 goals on the season, 21 points, and really is just playing the best hockey of his career. Um, he has 11. So he scores his first ever power play goal, first ever power play point on Saturday, uh, right as the power play was expiring, but he was playing net front on the second unit because James Van Riemsdyk was out. He's uh, has an undisclosed injury. I think he's day to day, nothing serious, but uh, so Frederick gets a shot there and gets a power play goal. All his other damage this season has come at five on five. And he has 11, five on five goals or second one behind David Posenak for the team lead, like just very productive. And he's doing it you know, without being on that loaded third line that he was last year with Charlie Coyle and Taylor Hall. And we, you know, Frederick talked quite a bit after the game. Coyle talked about what what he's seen from Frederick. So we can get more into that. But yeah, just just off the top, uh, Trent Frederick just rolling. I want to share a joke that he said after in the in the the interview that we had with him after the game. He said He's been in like meetings for the power play before, but some somehow the first unit always finds a way to score before he gets out there with the second unit. So that's why he's like, that's why this is my first power play goal. Like that <laughs> he is like, I, I've been wanting to get out there, but then pasta will score in the first like 30 seconds and then he doesn't get out there. So he's blaming the the first line scoring on not getting more power play time. Yeah. Well, I I I also asked him. If uh, do you keep the puck or anything for a first power play point? He's like, I don't think so. And then he goes, Well, I might never have another one, so maybe I should. 
<laughs> yeah. No, he'll randomly hit you with like some some funny one-liner in there. And Charlie Coyle was talking about how pretty much everyone on the team loves Trent Frederick um, and, and gets along with him really well. But we'll go back to him later. Um, my opening shift has to do with Matt Patra. First game back for him after um, being away from the team for quite a while. He hasn't played a game. This is the first game in 2024 with the team um, after heading out for World Juniors and then getting a little bit of rest on the tail end of that. Um, so he comes back Saturday. He gets two assists, um, both on those Frederick, two of those Frederick goals, um, I believe, right? I think they're both on the Frederick goals. Um and he had a decent game. No, get... one, one was on the McAvoy goal. Oh, yeah, one was on the McAvoy goal, um, which they thought was a Frederick goal at one point in time, but they it looked like it took a redirection, but actually hit the defender. Um, but anyway, so he had two assists in his first game back. Uh, seemed to be moving well. Coach said he looked fresh. Uh, he said he felt fresh when we talked to him after the game. He did take a big hit into the boards, uh, came out with a bloody nose all stuffed up uh, with – uh, gauze or something and and came back out and, and like a hockey player played the rest of the game he didn't get a whole lot of ice time but he in his time out there he did do a good job and coach said in Colorado next game uh, he expects him to get more playing time because just because of the way Tampa Bay only had three lines going so he, he had a hard time coach Montgomery had a hard time finding out the matchups that he wanted to put uh, Patra out there against in order to give him the biggest chance of success. So um, nice to see him back out there. He played center, which is something we talked about last podcast where they move him to wing. No, he's centering Heinen and Frederick. And I thought the line looked like it was clicking. So for me, I, I wanted to piggyback off of uh, commentary Bridget had last episode about Pashnak and geeky kind of playing well together. And and last night was another example, just, um, you know, the goal for for Geeky to give the Brewers a two-goal cushion again in the third period was um, a lead pass from Pashnak and a quick release from Geeky. And, you know, Zaka was involved as well last night with Pashnak. Um, and, yeah, I just think it's 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 notable that Geeky and Pashnak in particular are, are gaining chemistry because, uh, Bridget, you mentioned um, off-air that, like, Geeky was talking about how when you're playing with such good players, it's easy to kind of produce, but it hasn't been easy for everybody else playing with those two players all year. I mean, Pashnak's been producing, but but Van Riemsdyk got the first look with them. DeBrus got certain looks at different times. Um, and Geeky's kind of, you know, he's he's taken advantage of his opportunity more so than other people have. And I think my other opening shift that I was pondering as well was going to be just how the Bruins have, the offense has come alive in the last six games. Um, I think it's, I want to say it's six straight games with at least four goals and they're averaging around five goals a game in their last six games. Um, and so the team offense is there and, you know, is this passionate geeky and uh, Zaka combination um, a key cog in that wheel? Yeah. And I feel like one of the, one of the other conversations surrounding that line was the fact that Zaka moved to wing and maybe one of the reasons why that line is successful is because Geeky has been playing so well at center that it's allowed Pasternak and, and Zaka to stay together on the same line while also adding someone of Geeky's size. Um, and he slots in, in just in a different spot and Zaka has to move over. So, and one of the things that Geeky was telling us after the game was that uh, when you play with two elite playmakers like 
uh, Zaka and Pasternak, you just really, the strategy for him is really just to get open enough, just to find enough space because he knows that they can make those passes to him. So find a way to get open. A lot of times he's getting open back door kind of sneakily. Um, and he, and he knows that somebody like Pasternak and Zaka can easily make that, that pass to him. And he's been the beneficiary of the fact that those two guys are such great playmakers, not just good goal scorers. Yeah. And we, we had talked a little bit about, uh, you know, Pavel Zaka not putting up a lot of points, even though that line as a whole was playing well. Zaka does get an assist Saturday night. And it was also, you know, it was a game where it felt like it was coming for him. Like he had some good chances Had a couple one-timers from the high slot. He had like a doorstep chance that Vasilevsky made a good save on. And, you know, I think talk to to any player and they'll tell you if you're getting the chances of the goals are going to start coming. So it was, it was that that line produced regardless, but it was also encouraging to see Zaka in particular getting some chances and maybe being more involved than he had been, you know, the last few games. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. All right. So, yeah, I kind of want to jump back to Scott to your opening shift and just and just touch on Frederick Moore. And, yeah, I, he's he's got to be on pace now for maybe just south of 30 goals on the season. Um, 20, 26 goals. He's on pace for 26 goals and 45 points. Yeah, see, Scott's writing the article, so he has all the all the numbers uh, ready to go. Uh, read that, right? Shameless plug. Scotty's writing an article about Trent Frederick. In fact, Bridget already wrote and posted it. It was. Oh, it's posted, okay. guys. Go read that. <laughs> yeah, I, I. But to be fair, I think like a lot of earlier in the year, the production wasn't obviously as prevalent as it is now. So, if he if he keeps maybe not so much at this pace, but closer to this pace than earlier in the year, you know, maybe he he eclipses fifty points and and he, and, and that's just look. I think. The bigger picture here is it's coming from a player that we all thought was we all kind of wrote off a couple of years ago, and a lot of people did because he hadn't really produced at the uh, NHL level and didn't optimize his chances in in preseason and was kind of a passenger. And then he hit like 23, 24 years old, and you're, you're questioning what his future is. And now at 25, 26, he seems to be a staple of this team going forward and kind of exactly what they hoped for when drafting him. Yeah, he's a first round draft pick um, and he was a center coming in uh, and he's one of the main things that's made him so successful and, and made him become somebody that Jim Montgomery leans on is the fact that he can play either wing or center. So and he's uh, become very good defensively. He's defensively responsible. He was talking about how whoever's the first guy back has to kind of play the center role defensively and that he feels really comfortable with it. So sometimes he just naturally finds himself playing that role. Um, and, and guys, you know, understand that he can play it well and kind of let him take over that at times. So his versatility has gotten him more opportunities and that's built his confidence. And I think that's really the biggest difference is you see him playing so much more 
confidently. I know Scott, you asked him about this in the post game and he, he kind of was like, I, I have no idea how to gauge my confidence, which I thought was kind of funny. I was like, he, he's definitely more confident. You can just see it. Um, yeah. And Charlie Coyle said, said, so we had to ask his teammates, like, is he playing with more confidence? And, and Coyle was like, yes, he's, he's, uh, you know, kind of blooming into this confident, uh, versatile player in front of everybody's eyes. Yeah. And, and Jim Montgomery a couple times this week, including Saturday night has talked about him playing like a more confident player, uh, more poised with the puck going North more instead of East West, uh, you know, getting to the front, even he's always gotten to the front relatively frequently, but you know, maybe a little bit of inconsistency in, in the past. And this year it's been really consistent. Um, and you know, it was interesting. Like, Frederick talked about how, you know, he thinks last year he got confidence because he was on a line with Charlie Coyle and Taylor Hall. And he said that, you know, kind of their confidence in him and especially Coyle's who's been, he called, uh, he said, Charlie Coyle has always kind of vouched for me and helped me out. And it specifically made me think of the end of, towards the end of the 21-22 season when down the stretch and into the playoffs, Frederick kind of started getting moved in and out of the lineup. Um, and, he, and he wasn't playing his best at the time. Like, you know, fairness to Bruce Cassidy, it was getting to be playoff time and Frederick hadn't been producing. And I remember Charlie Coyle at the time saying like, you know, without trying to directly contradict Bruce Cassidy was kind of saying like, I like playing with Trent Frederick and I believe in him. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's, I'm paraphrasing, but it's kind of disappointing, you know, to see him out of the lineup. And like, that was immediately what I thought of when Frederick said that. It's like, that's someone who's just always believed in him. And Frederick said, uh, if it wasn't for CC and Halsey making great plays last year, I don't know if I have the confidence to do it this year with different people. So it's like, he got that confidence with them, with better players sort of helping to lift him up. And he's carried that over into this season even when he's not playing with Coyle, even when he's playing with different guys. And that's been, I mean, these last two weeks have been his best stretch and look at like, look at his line. He's played wing during the stretch. He's played center during the stretch. He was on a line with Georgie Merkulov for a couple of games. He gets Potra his first game back. James Van Riemsdyk had been a relatively consistent line mate, but he's out Saturday night. So it, it really like hasn't mattered who he's been with. He's not, relying on the guys around him, like he's stepping up and he's kind of, you know, he's the one driving that third line. He definitely, he definitely has been. I, and I've said this before in, in past episodes and uh, really right along that it's kind of like big brother, little brother vibe with Coyle and Frederick. Um, you can kind of just watch how they interact with each other. And you call him Trent Frederick little. Well, no, he's a big dude, but he's younger. So that's, you know, that's tech, uh, that tends to be what people mean by little brother. Uh, I don't know if you have a little brother, but, uh, <laughs> so Charlie, Charlie Coyle just kind of, you just watch them interact and it kind of feels like they're, you know, that's, that's the relationship, uh, similar to that. And they, they both like off the ice, I've seen them passing a football together or whatever, cause they're both actually really good multiple sport athletes. Um, I think they have a lot that they can, you know, have in common and can relate to each other. So, um, it's Charlie Coyle has been great for Trent Frederick's development, especially because Coyle 
has also been in the position where he's a natural center and can kind of help him help Frederick in that aspect as well. Um, and he, him last season, getting a chance to talk to him, you know, between every shift and during every shift definitely helped too. Uh, one funny thing that one other funny thing that kind of came up in the post game press conference with Frederick was that on that power play goal, uh, someone, someone asked like, were you surprised that you had that much space to make that move? Because he did, he had like the time and space to like completely turn around, stick handle the puck a little bit and then lift it and roof it. Um, and he was like, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised I had that much time to, to work. But I think that this goes to something that maybe other teams will start keying in on, but he's maybe not defended as closely as he should be. And a little bit, uh, not not sh- hasn't been shown that respect previously in his career. Maybe now he starts garnering more um, pressure defensively because of the the kind of playmaker he's been over the last few games. People might be paying more attention to him, um, trying to block him out of those positions more now that they kind of get a taste of what he can do there. Yeah, and honestly, I don't even think it was a lack of timing that was uh, given to him on that on that goal. It's not like he had a ton of time in the world. He the puck was on and off his stick in two seconds. Like as a defender, there wasn't even much time for them to do anything, especially when you consider the body positioning and, and the way he, he angled, re-angled himself there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the better way to put it is just that they shouldn't have allowed him into that space at all. Like he was in, he, he found his way right to the, the uh, top of the crease and he had that, that room to stick handle a little bit. So 